It's been a good while since the first episode of Uplink, since we had you back on. And it's been a while since we talked specifically about Battlefront. So, let's jump right into it. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Uplink. I wanted to talk, it's been a while since we talked about Battlefront. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the prospects of a Battlefront 3. We, we've gotten, we're in what? Getting getting deep into month three, we're we're not quite to the third month of um, squadrons quite yet, but we're getting there. And there's always talk about future Star Wars games. Any any semblance of a whisper of anything new Star Wars and video gaming gets reported. And I wanted to talk to about talk to you guys on the podcast. We've got split screen Mark. And Danger Cat mm-hmm. Ethan. So let, let's let's talk about some Battlefront Three. What are you guys' thoughts on the prospects of something along those lines? I want it. Yeah, God. Yeah, who doesn't? Like, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think you'd have to be absolutely mad. I mean, with with I, the popularity of Battlefront, both of them, Battlefront, but actually both series of Battlefronts. We can we can broaden it through that. But even if you want to be specific about the new Battlefronts, both. Battlefront 2015 and Battlefront 2 were both super, super successful, dwarfing the the normal games that DICE was creating at the time, like Battlefield um, 5 very underperformed generally, and also very underperformed in relation to Battlefront 2. So, I mean, they've got to be thinking about it, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they have to be thinking about it. The thing people don't realize is that DICE, doesn't, DICE and EA don't own the Star Wars IP, they just have a license to use it for a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. And after they saw how much that Battlefield, maybe it wasn't underperforming, but it just wasn't performing as well as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Or normally does. To, yeah. So they've decided to essentially save an IP that they do own as opposed to an IP that could be pulled out from underneath them at any moment, basically. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, Dice was—I mean, Dice was built around Battlefield. That's the thing. So I, I, it would be really. Uh, as like a business decision from their part, it would be really weird for them to st- essentially stop working on or not save the franchise that essentially cre- helped create and form the studio. Um, exactly. And as as Ethan says, like the Star Wars license could be pulled from underneath them like at any point, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be weird if they tried to carry on with the Battlefront and not save the Battlefield franchise because eventually, if and when the Star Wars license is no longer with EA, then where's the Battlefield franchise to keep DICE yeah. going? You know, it it may, like, with the end of Battlefront 2 to save Battlefield, essentially, with this next game, it makes complete sense on their part. Like, yeah, it sucks, but it makes absolute sense. And I think if we do, you know, based on the popularity of how Battlefront 2 was, especially towards the end, um, I think when the next battlefield comes out next year i think there's absolutely a chance that we'll see a battlefront 3 you know a couple of years down the line yeah i reckon a battlefield 3 will be close to if not probably the final game of ea's star wars license at least mm-hmm. i have a feeling though they might renew it for a few more years i mean i think they would uh, that leads perfectly into another question that we've got in terms of of the star wars license and a, a possible battlefront 3 is that license, um, they have currently they have an exclusive license with a little bit of exceptions because we've got Traveler's Tales over there, which is Warner Brothers, um, but they're they're still able to use the license. But they kind of got grandfathered in, and they're on a different level. 
But we've got the exclusive license with EA on producing Star Wars games with their development companies. And that is supposed to expire in 2023. So we've got pretty much two more years, three, like three full years, maybe if you count it from January, Hmm. um, Mm -hmm. January 2021. one dev cycle, essentially. Exactly. The thing is, is there's more than just one studio at EA. They have a whole production suite. When, When you think about the games that we've gotten produced so far and the companies that have been producing them, they're just a drop in the bucket compared to the, the wide world of EA game uh, studios. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I sure. mean, EA have got a great... Like, they've got so many different studios, you know, great studios under their belt. And, you know, it was really nice to see... You know, it was obviously great to see DICE do what they did with the Battlefront franchise, but also to see Respawn go into kind of a path they haven't really gone with yet obviously mm-hmm. with fallen order and knocked it out of the, the Titanfall games yeah and they they did a cracking job with that like we've got bioware with styles the old public which actually obviously came out before the license mm-hmm. was given to ea but um controversial you know, opinion here guys i don't think that's the same level of production as something like battlefront um it's not personally oh. i know lots of people enjoy that game it's just yeah. not what i what floats my boat i wouldn't say it's like a, a full triple a title in terms of support and it's been put on the yeah. wayside, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I think, um, from someone who's who has played it, like it's definitely one of those games that I really enjoy, it, and it's it's something I really want to see in a more photoreal kind of modern version of, mm-hmm. I think. I'd love to see something like that come out for, like, next-gen consoles. Um, but, you oh, know, definitely. EA have got a load of great, Come, you know, studios under their belt. I mean, Motive with their first proper title brought yes. out Squadrons, which is like, God, for yeah. me, the best experience. You know, one of the best Star Wars experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And they can use this. That you know, they can go and use these. And I mean, Squadrons sold 1.1 million copies in October alone. And I think so. Financially, it makes sense that EA, I think, do keep the license. You know, post 2023. So. I think, yeah, like Ethan said, we've kind of got at least, you know, one dev cycle left. Um, but I think, you know, could it be extended, then we could see a Battlefront 3 and, you know, many more Styles games released mm-hmm. and then hopefully supported for a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, I've always wondered about the specifics of the uh, the contract as well. Like, does the contract end, they just stipulate that they can't release any games after that point? Or... Or can they just, or, or do they... I've heard rumors that they can still support it through the license. Right. But, again, that's because rumors. W- Nothing's confirmed on that front. Because if they were allowed to develop, like actively produce Star Wars games up until the final date, and then release the game after the, the contract is over, that would be good. I mean, mm-hmm. like, if only oh, if only we knew the specifics of this contract. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's, it's, it's kind of like... The dark side. Yeah, it, it, it's in the, you know, I think if, if it's like, you know, they can keep, like, if they did, like, no longer have it in, tw- like, as of the end of 2023, but they release a Battlefront in 2023, as long as they can, like, develop that post that and just, you know, post 2023 and, you know, keep updating the game with content and stuff like that, you know, that would obviously be amazing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, def- you know, kind of the point you were um, getting to, Ethan, but... 
because I, I feel like it wouldn't make like sense at all, especially if they release a multiplayer title in 2023, but then the license expires, then, oh no, like we can't update it anymore, mm. no matter what. Like it, it, To me, that just would not make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. I'm sure EA would have like worked it out with Disney quite early on as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrew Wilson at EA Play Live, like in an investor's call, like after the actual show, said specifically that they want to double down on Star Wars games. Obviously, that's not necessarily a, like, mm-hmm. we will, but... That's definitely PR to. speak. Um, yeah. Because we haven't seen any more pushes on that front. They're going to just continue mm-hmm. the same amount of um, momentum, I would assume. Because mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any clear announced titles. Maybe that just means we won't cancel any more studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just thinking, like, maybe it's one of those things that, like, they're focusing on like they want to double down on Star Wars games, but we ha- obviously we haven't heard anything yet because they wanted to focus on squadrons and squ- squadrons is the main focus right now. Um, and then perhaps next year, it um, either Star Wars Celebration, if that is a proper thing, whether it's online or not, um, or just at EA Play again, whether that's online or not, then they can kind of show off more stuff. Mm-hmm. unveil things a bit more and maybe actually talk but talk a bit more into what their plans are for it i Definitely. honestly wouldn't be surprised if um they decided to give Battlef- battlefront to a different ea studio i think just they so should. That dice can focus on battlefield because dice cannot we, we've seen it throughout both battlefront 2015 and battlefront 2's life cycle that they are not a two-game studio really they struggle with keeping two games going like when battlefront 2 was having support like really good support battlefield 5 was really struggling and vice versa i think they should give it to another studio or start a specific studio specifically for battlefront like that's just this this company or this studio is specifically on creating battlefront content making the game and then supporting it and maybe they bring mm-hmm. some of the people that were involved in the higher levels of uh, exactly Bring back Dennis. It's got to, it's got to bring, be Dennis. Bring back Dennis. Just Dennis is a, he's a one-man army. He can just do it himself. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, though, you raise a really good point because so many, like, so many of the developers that I follow on Twitter from Battlefront 2, especially Ben, like, continue to show their sadness about Battlefront 2 ending and their wish to be able to keep on making content for mm-hmm. it. So, you know, I really think that well, the, the community like clearly want a Battlefront three. I mean, there was that whole Battlefront two petition going on for ages, and now <laughs> yeah, and that's make Battlefront three. You know, and now and now it's also yeah for Battlefront three. But like the community are continuing to show their support and love for the Battlefront mm-hmm. franchise. The developers clearly want to be working on Battlefront again, mm. and you know if EA are going to be in any position to be able to do that then I don't see why they wouldn't because, you know, the Battlefront franchise is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the biggest franchise within Star Wars gaming. So, you know, I I feel like it would make, it wouldn't make any sense to not have a a big Mm -hmm. focus on that, especially Mm -hmm. when... um, My dream lineup is Battlefront 3... KOTOR 3. <laughs> Could you imagine the the amount of community support if they were like, oh yeah, we're going to make these two highly requested games. Like well, EA would become like the golden child in terms of video games <laughs> instead of like what, the what one despised. What if, so continuing this, with this trend of 
um, new eras being added to Star Wars games as time goes forward, especially Battlefront. What if Battlefront 3 had, yeah, the Old Republic, High Republic, all, all, of, mm. all of that old Legends mm. EU stuff? Mm-hmm. My tummy rumbles for this. I mean, if they were going to make a Battlefront 3, it would have to... I've, I've seen a lot of talk about it online, people speculating on what, what it would be, and there's a couple ways they can do it. They can go in, into the Old Republic, they can go into an era that hasn't really been explored to its full extent, or they can just add all of the eras. And I have I have a problem if they added everything from the past two games into a third one, like a, a Battlefront Ultimate in terms of like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where they just added everything, is we get into the same problems of Battlefront 2. It was just too big of a project. It was spread too widely. And I think if they want to be successful and make a really good game that they can support, it needs to be a lot smaller than Battlefront 2 did. And yeah, it runs into the issue is like, why would I pay $60 for this game when the second game that came out, the one that you're replacing, had more content? And I paid $60 for that one. Like you get into that issue, but people need to get over it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, going to your point of um, kind of the whole Smash Bros um, ultimate kind of Battlefront ultimate thing. I would like to see content from Battlefront 2 and even Battlefront 2015 come into a Battlefront 3. Not all of it, of course, but mm-hmm. I'd love to see just oh, some definitely. of the maps of more like the iconic maps. So Solist, I've already please. I've already spoken about this before, but like things like Outpost Delta and Outpost Beta, they're from the Twilight Company books and they were in both mm-hmm. games, so I'd love to see them make their way into it along with perhaps Echo Base like a new Echo Base map. Yeah. Um Things like Administrator's Palace, you know, oh, Jabba's nice. Palace that again, Jabba's Palace as well. Um, I can't remember everything I noted down, but you know, the more like iconic locations. So like they none of the Endor maps solace. from. <laughs> Dude, I, I will die on that hill. So this episode of Uplink Podcast is brought to you by It's Not a Tiny House Podcast, a podcast all about alternative living and making it happen. Definitely go give them. A listen link will be in the description of this episode. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. When I when I'm thinking of maps to bring forward from old, the old you know Battlefront 2015 and Battlefront 2, mm-hmm. I I think about the maps and they all feel iconic to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe that's just because I've played them a lot. I mean, I, like I, when I when I say iconic, I just mean like they they're seen in the movies or other media uh, okay. basically so like i mean yeah it's like to me all of the maps you know they're iconic and all that but <laughs> it's a case of has this appeared yeah is it nostalgia in... just from like all of the the fun that we had on those maps or is it these are iconic i personally mm-hmm. um solaced and nine numb were like some of my favorite parts of uh battle like parts of star wars before battlefront came out yeah because it's mentioned all throughout Star Wars, and now we get to see that planet mm-hmm. that's mentioned throughout the movies, throughout the books especially, and we got to see that in fully act, like full action. I also think the maps are prettier in Battlefront 2015 than in Battlefront 2 for some yeah, reason. Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah, in Battlefront 2015, they were really pushing with the photogrammetry stuff, weren't they? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, they were coming up with all these new processes and stuff, and they just basically wanted to use them as much as possible. And so you ended up with all these really beautiful, like, super, yeah. like, hyper realistic landscapes and 
I was playing Skirmish uh, on the Xbox Series X the a uh, couple days ago, and oh my gosh, playing on on uh, Solust, whoo, so pretty. <laughs> I, I think yeah, so Battlefront Two suffered like because of its scale mm-hmm. in terms of the mm-hmm. like graphically, it's better than Battlefront One from a like a technical perspective, but yeah, but visually, visually, I'd I'd say it's a little bit rougher around the edges it looks good but it's a little as as a kira says in solo it's like it looks good a little rough around the edges but yeah. <laughs> um but, but yeah. is the han solo of Star Wars games. <laughs> yeah so what i've just put in the chat here that we can see so it's like a i'm working on this big like excel spreadsheet with my brother of battlefront 3 content we want so we have here we've got like Tatooine, for example. So the maps I've got listed is Mos Eisley, Mos Espa, Mos Pelgo, Judland Wastes, and Jabba's Palace. So three old maps, two new maps, and like kind of based on their scale. So mm-hmm. Mos Eisley, Mos Espa, Judland Wastes, and Jabba's Palace could be big maps. Jabba's Palace and Mos Pelgo small maps, and kind of where I think they would be able to fit in with regards oh, to honestly, launch and post-launch. Mos Pelgo would make a great. Heroes versus villains map. Mm-hmm. It really that's what would. I was that's thinking. The thing. I think, I think like just you know, blast. You know, just a small map. Blast heroes versus villains. Something mm. like that. It would work really well. But that well for open like bloodbath street in the mm-hmm. middle. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's just it's you know. So Mos Eisley is obviously an iconic location within the films, and I think that's something I'd love to see. And we we had it in Battlefront Two, where it's kind of one of those things that it's essentially 95% accurate to the films essentially mm-hmm. so why go and redesign that map completely from the ground up and yeah. why not just go back to what, what? we had before with how do you how do you feel about them tweaking old maps i don't have an issue with tweaking like they i mean they tweaked naboo camino and everything like that for um for supremacy you know i think you know if tweaking the maps is necessary to work for other game modes that is like mm-hmm. go for it you know because well, i mean i mean um, like i mean more than just like because i know in in capital supremacy they did a few things like they added like a few like on crash, speeders. Like crash speeders <laughs> um <laughs> and like destroyed um uh those droids you know the big ones that come out of the water yeah. mm-hmm. um so you could like walk up onto different platforms and stuff yep but i i mean like slightly deeper changes like um slight layout changes new corridors remove corridors stuff like that i mean if it suits the gameplay yes uh that that's the key thing here one of the problems with battlefront 2015 was they at points it felt like they were pushing canon over gameplay and some of some of the the content that they brought in struggled from that but if it suits the gameplay i mean add whatever is needed if it makes the game better do it yeah yeah of course only yeah it's one of those things that if it's not necessary don't do it but if Mm -hmm. it's like okay well this corridor you know you've kind of got too much of a straight path here that a sniper can look down okay well we'll remove that corridor and we'll divert it somewhere else so that the sniper's line of sight isn't as big for example you know and i think Mm -hmm. you know if if they need to make changes then i'm all for it i just i would love to personally see some of the older maps return into this, like, a big new game. They had to change the, um, you know, Jabba's Palace. Um, as Say you're playing Heroes versus, uh, Heroes versus Villains. 
and you're the heroes. So on the left side, you have those little tiny small tunnels. Um, when they brought yeah. that over to Battlefront 2, they had to raise the height of the doors because Grievous wouldn't fit through them. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. But you, you guys bring up a, a good point is the strength that EA has currently. They've been working with a license. It'll be 10 years when that license expires. And something that they're able to do and that we're talking about right now is bringing old, over that old content. They did that for Battlefront 2. If there was uh, a license ex- expiration, it broadened up to where you can just apply as a game studio to create a game, which I personally think is the better option than just limiting it to one company. They have the relationship built up with EA. They have the back, lat- back catalog and library of content that they've created. And a new company would have to, from the ground up, establish that uh, that relationship True, yeah. with EA. Mm-hmm. and Or, yeah, if they wanted to bring over content, they would have to establish a relationship with EA. They would yeah. have to establish that relationship with Lucasfilm, which is historically pretty difficult to work with at times. Especially if you want to bring in new content. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're a like, mobile game. Logis- logistically speaking, I feel like it may... Because this is, this is kind of always the point I've made, is that if EA was to lose the license and it was to go to someone else, then logistically speaking, I don't feel like that makes sense because as you say, they have to build up all of these relationships yeah. like Pipelines, from the yeah. ground up and they have to, you know, prepare everything that they need to do mm. as a company itself just, to be able to so, get to work on these things. And just like when EA got the license, that could take up to three or four years to fully mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. get up to speed before it's even... Mm-hmm. And, and and even then, after Which it is very years, impressive EA that... Had, Battlefront 2015 was established and released when it was, uh, considering they got the license in 2013 and it came out in 2015. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, EA had been working with Lucasfilm before that anyway because of yeah. Star Wars: The Old Republic. So mm-hmm. they kind of they already had True, a yeah. relationship there. Mm-hmm. So you know, because of that relationship, I think it definitely made it easier to work with Lucasfilm. But then even still, like with Battlefront 2015, it was DICE working on it. It was a different studio, so it wasn't Bioware. So there are still these logistical, you know, more business side of things that still need to be built up ready so that they can do this. But it's even easier because you've got EA who already work with Lucasfilm to be able to do that. Um, But that's always been my point. Like, logistically speaking it makes ea to at least have the license whether it's exclusive or not is another matter Mm -hmm. um like i think if it's not exclusive then you know that's that's great because other companies will get a chance to make star wars games i mean the golden era competition of star wars games was in an era where it wasn't limited to one company that Mm. handled all of that it was many companies were able to either handpicked by by LucasArts or um, had an idea, they pitched it to LucasArts, LucasArts said, yes, this is a good idea, we'd love that in our catalog, but, and they went and made it. That also had the downside of, um, like, the, like, the Golden Era had obviously lots of great games, but it also had lots of terrible games. True, and that's, but... That's, that's the one downside to that. Yeah. It's true, but, like, but, you're going to get crappy games, no matter... Whether, what happens with the license is just going to work. <laughs> that's that's how games are, are done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think another thing as well is that competition drives innovation as well. So it's one exactly. of those things that, 
you know, it, it could be very, it, it could be healthy for the EA game studios to mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, hey, these people over at Ubisoft, for example, are now making a Star Wars game and stuff like that, yeah. you know? There's a um, reason we only have four games with several of them canceled um, for actually releases because EA doesn't doesn't feel a need to release a game every year to be competitive with any other company because it'd be competitive with itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was talking to um, I was talking to someone, and they were saying that apparently, like another reason why EA have the license is also because no one else really wanted to go for it. Like, I don't know how. I mean, that's true fair. That is, but and it's a big and daunting thing. To well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's such a big IP, and if you screw it up, you're going to mm-hmm. get like you're going to be told about it. So yeah, I think yeah, it was it's when, a huge um, challenge. So we had Andrew Bombastic on the podcast. I was saying, like, if I was a company, a game development company under EA, and I was asked to do a Star Wars game, I'd be like, "Um, you guys canceled Visceral, and they're no longer a thing. I don't know about this." Yeah, <laughs> no, I, feel I, th- I think I think the one the one thing I like about EA is that they're not afraid to cut the cord on a mm-hmm. project that is not going right. Yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're that's a good have thing some... and a bad thing. Yeah, like you have some standout cases like um, Anthem, for example. Um, but I don't, I, from what I remember reading, um, they didn't quite know about the situation until it was too late, so they were forced to release it. <laughs> but but most of the time, like when you look at all of the games that all the Star Wars games that EA has cancelled, like all of them had trouble behind the scenes anyway, yeah. relating to the studio and not necessarily EA itself. Yeah, I mean, with the Visceral game, they were saying that Frostbite was a huge, like, was really difficult to use, with one mm-hmm. developer saying that had they made the game in Unreal Engine, they probably would have shipped it. Yeah. Well, that was um, my tweet as well, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You tweeted, you actually, yeah, we've had this conversation before. Um, and and that's the thing. It's like, but I think it was, you know, the studio or EA basically essentially forcing them to use Frostbite because, I, you know, I guess because it is their... Engine, well, they don't, so it's kind of they, like they, they don't get forced to use it they get the yeah. option of using it um and look at respawn they chose not to do it mm-hmm. um but they did have to fight tooth and nail for that and it, there's a reason that they well, were they, able well, no, to they, keep they, it they they, they they don't have to that's that's the thing that's a, a misconception is that ea doesn't force people or doesn't push people that hard to use you know frostbite that the reason the reason that a lot of studios go for it is because they're given a budget or they, or at least they, they fight for a budget with EA, and yeah, it's free basically. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah, Whereas they don't have if to you go to use Unreal. Unreal Engine, you have to license it or and so on. But um, you do yeah. have you do have a response saying in a few interviews that if they were to if they weren't in using Unreal Engine, that they wouldn't have been able to create the game that they created. Which yeah, it's fair because that's what they work with. And someone like Dice, who are able to use uh, Unreal or um, Frostbite to great effect, and are very efficient with it, because they've used I it for so long. That's another thing that people that general that the general gaming population doesn't really understand is that studios are often not not built around an engine, but a lot of the systems and pipelines within the studio are built around the engine that mm-hmm. they use the most or that they started using. Which is why mm-hmm. a lot of studios really struggle to switch over to new, over to new engines. Yeah, like even even from like a clerical like perspective, all of their like issue tracking and stuff is like built around 
say mm-hmm. frostbite as opposed to yeah. unreal yeah. which means that which makes that transition so much harder and so much more expensive and resource intensive definitely so there's a lot again it's game development so it's super complicated all around the board there are intricacies that we won't know of until like 20 years later when one of the developers is like oh yeah now i'm out of my nda and i can actually talk about this <laughs> <laughs> so i i can't wait for that battlefront retrospective oh dude yes nice employees i would love to be able to host that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely even with the stuff that i'm not going to say i'm not going to say any of it but all the stuff that some people know already that like that alone is enough for for a few episodes of retrospective interviews (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah it's it's definitely going to be interesting as we move forward and we see more content because right now we do have actually a good lineup we've got squadrons that came out this year we've got lego star wars uh the skywalker saga coming out next year and then we've got jedi fallen order 2 coming out uh the following year after that 2022 so we have uh if you count this year three years of consecutive star wars which can't really be said in any of the other years really uh we won't Hmm. be getting any movies but we will be getting some video games so hopefully We'll be able to carry that We're getting some, torch. Some, some shows as well yep. along the way. Exactly. And I think going I know, forward, we'll when... see more of a focus on that because it, it's easier, less weight to it. Um, we see all the controversies around the, the movies that have been coming out. And those controversies are, some of them are there. Uh, with some of the casting choices and their political perspectives. But overall, we have uh, a lot better slate in the video game side of things there's little to no controversy unless you count the loot bot stuff or loot box stuff i mean i mean this is a really exciting time for star wars Mm -hmm. as you said you know i don't think disney is too keen on making star wars films right now (laughs) we will continue to get star wars it just makes too much money but there's there's never been a point in time where star wars has been explored in so many other Mm -hmm. formats and types of media you know you, like you've always had comic books and books but never quite as many as we have now we've never yeah. had tv shows yeah. um we, uh, we, we had you know the original clone wars and stuff but that was small scale up until you know the the final half of that entire show mm-hmm. where it blew up it massively in popularity and became like a big budget like spectacle thing yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, no, it's just it's just a really exciting time. We've we've got the Cassian Andor show um, in production, or at least I think as of today, it's in production. Is it? Well, um, it, they start so they started filming like a while, a good month or two ago. I'm pretty oh sure, right, because, okay. Um, or is it the when, Kenobi one? So the Kenobi one starts production in January. Ah uh, right. Mm-hmm. Diego Luna confirmed like literally on the Jimmy Kimmel show last night that they Ah uh, right, yeah, that's what I was thinking. They're they're filming. But like there was this whole thing, um, I think back in September about um so Ethan, you'll probably know this, but like when the UK government said that like high budget TV shows and films can start filming again. So they mm. were like Batman, you know, things like Batman can start filming again. Things that bring us um, money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the well the Cassian Andor show was mentioned Th- alongside things, with that. So. Things that the government is giving tax money for yeah. <laughs> in the UK. Yeah, but um, yeah, the Cassian Andor show and Batman were the two highlighted um, productions that were mentioned back then. So I think it's been in like filming for the last month and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah and then we've got the kenobi show but you're absolutely right though like there are so many different types of media that we're getting with star wars now and it is super exciting i mean the next film's like 2023 or something like that so we've got a while until the next film but yeah until then we've got the mandalorian obi-wan show cassian show there's a rumored um boba fett film uh tv show as well in production now um, which makes sense we've then yeah which we've then also got all the books and the comics you know exploring mm-hmm. the high republic era huge the games world of like it's just it's insane like how much stuff is going to be coming over the next few years excellent it's a great time to be a star wars fan and thank you guys 100%. so much for coming on the podcast. This has been an absolute blast. Always love having you guys on the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Always a pleasure. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I love coming on this podcast. Um, and every time you ask, I'm always super excited to say yes. But yeah, it, like whether it's the podcast or like a Legion's project or like Wayfinder related, I'm always just like, I want to do it. I want to do it. Like even if I'm going to be swamped with the uni work or whatever, I'll be like, I want to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's It's a great community we've got going. And uh, stay tuned to the Twitter, all things Uplink, and uh, keep an eye out on Wayfinder. We've got some things coming along the pipeline there. But as always, thanks for listening. May the Force be with you.